0: This morning we are back in Acts and here we have Paul in Asia Minor or coming back to Asia Minor and revisiting some of the places he's been. And I have some pictures and things that I hope are a blessing to you. But let's uh, start with prayer. Thank you dear Lord for your goodness and kindness. Thank you that uh, today we think about What you've done for us, that we'll we'll have communion. Pray for Eric as he teaches us in the sermon that we could understand what he's saying, that we'd understand the gospel better. And today, as we look at what you did in Luke, Acts, and especially here in Acts, how you revealed the gospel to us. Give us wisdom, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so here we have what I think is amazing material. About how God is using people to go forward with the gospel, gets them into the right place at the right time. So, last time I taught Sunday school, Acts eighteen nineteen, Acts eighteen nineteen was where we were, and I want to talk a little bit about why it's important to give evidence and reason to, for what we believe and why we believe it. So here it is, Acts 18:19. <clears throat> they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, and he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Now that word "reason," dial, let me get that right, "dialegomai," is used 13 times. I happen to bring some printouts of that. It's used 13 times. In the New Testament, and it's a very important concept. But of the 13 times in the New Testament, 10 are in Acts. And that helps us realize how emphatic it is, according to Luke, that we present reasons, evidence, scripture, and things that people can. Believe objectively, rather than just offering an experience. experience. And so, dia legomai here reason with the Jews. So we've talked about this before. Why would you go into the synagogue and reason with the Jews? Do you remember the the, the Great Commission in Luke 24 and Acts 1? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, and then this is the account of the gospel proceeding through the world and in Ephesus which is going to be a really key place as we go forward it becomes actually we've taught through Ephesians Ephesus is important even in Corinth because remember some of Chloe's people had sent messages and so we want to learn why these things are happening so reason and so what that has to do with evidence for the truth of the gospel is proclaimed to both Jews and Gentiles and we know that Paul did that as his custom, this is what he did someone, if you would look up Acts 17.2 there is the roving mic I know it was working, we have it, yes so whoever has Acts 17.2 and while that's going on, someone can look up Acts seventeen seventeen.
1: Acts 17, 2. Okay. Then, oh. Go ahead. Oh. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures.
0: Yes, he reasoned from the Scriptures. And that's very significant. Um the reason it's significant was he went first to the synagogues because they had the scriptures and they had the messianic prophecies remember the Bereans were praised for being noble minded and using a word that normally would refer to nobility in in another sense but they were noble minded because they were willing to search the scriptures and see if these things are true and so Objective evidence for the truth needs to be presented so that whether people believe or not, if they do, it's based on what God did in history. If they reject it, they heard. It just creates more culpability, but God wants people to hear the truth. So three Sabbath reason with them from the
2: scriptures.
0: Yes, Brian.
2: Paul had just recently had a vision from God telling him to not be afraid and to go in and speak boldly.
0: Yeah, we actually were looking at that in First Corinthians, I think. First Corinthians 1 and 2 and then it's in Acts. We might think, well, why would anybody be afraid? Because when the message you're preaching offends everybody, remember First Corinthians? We preach Christ crucified. Were the Romans looking for a crucified Jewish Messiah? No. Were the Jews? No, they, they should have been. But what was the evidence? You go back into the scriptures. And so what were some of the scriptures cited throughout the, the New Testament in Acts? They went back to Psalm 10, 110 verse 1. Why would you cite that? well if this is the messiah why is he not ruling from jerusalem well the bible said he'll send to heaven the ruling comes later and then the suffering messiah that's found in isaiah isaiah 53 the idea that he would be rejected is also there so that's why evidence needs to be presented so evidence for the truth of the gospel is proclaimed to both Jews and Gentiles. Some people say, well, Paul only was for the Gentiles. No, he went to both. Okay, did someone uh, have Acts seventeen seventeen? Maybe I didn't give that out. Acts seventeen seventeen. 17. Right. Go ahead.
1: All right, here we go. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers, And in the marketplace daily with those who happen to be there.
0: Right. So he went to the Agora, the the marketplace. So we have pictures that I've shown. These places really exist. They really exist. This is not a a fable. It's not fiction. It's not science fiction. It's not a religion of the mind only. It's objective truth of what God did in real history. So then as we go forward, let me cite Acts 18.4 in the same uh, chapter we're in. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And now we come here again. He reasoned, dialegomai. So that is thematic in Luke Acts, as a lot of things are. If you're new to this, yes. Uh, Jeff.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, several times in Scripture it talks about Paul um, talking to Jews and Greeks at, right, in reference right. to the synagogue. Right were were Greeks allowed in the synagogue or were they standing outside listening or?
0: Well there were several things that happened there were God fearers who would be either proselytes or people that were interested but didn't want to totally submit to becoming circumcised and keeping the food laws but they were God fearing Greeks and that's the first people that The gospel went to outside of jews and that was uh after peter's vision remember the sheet that came down and then he ended up preaching to god fears household accordingly so i have this right i'm always correctable if i i don't want to be wrong and have it go out all over but i think that's right now in this case i remember right god fearing gentiles it says here jews and greeks sometimes the word greek is helenae Somebody wants to look up, well, you'd have to have the Greek. But the point is, it didn't matter who they were if they would listen to the gospel or give him a hearing. One of the most fascinating and powerful things is when he ends up at Mars Hill in Athens. That is amazing. How could this converted Jewish teacher who was hostile to the gospel... And now he's serving Christ, trained in Judaism, end up in front of some of the smartest philosophers in the ancient world, and there he preaches Christ. Remember that? Yes, uh, Laverne.
3: I know that historians and philosophers say that the sermon that he gave or, or speech that he gave at Mars Hill was one of the ten most appraised speeches of, of all time or whatever, but it was also the least productive because um, he did. he spent a lot of time approaching them based on their intelligence. He talked about what he saw there the the treat that they that they had um okay. relics for every god and then they had the unknown god and he talked about their philosophers he brought them into the speech but one thing he didn't do was he never mentioned Jesus Christ and that's some say that's why they very few people responded some said come back late come back another time we'll hear you again but then after if you notice after that speech he said I have determined to preach Christ and him crucified, and that's it. And, and, he, and then he said in his next trip, he said, no more whole, no more glorious speeches, no more highfalutin now, words. No, you've heard that
0: interpreted that way, but I don't think that holds up to what Luke is telling us. I've heard that too. I don't think he actually failed there.
3: And I just meant failed in the sense that no church was established and not many came to Christ.
0: Uh, let's go back uh, hold on let me no the, what, this is a good thing to discuss it's very important I've heard that when I was in seminary but I would I don't think that's a good reading of Luke in my opinion well I'm already doing a powerpoint someone look up, look up the incident there do you have it see when I when I taught through that remember the, for one thing It's typical for him to be rejected the Thessalonican synagogue people attacked him viciously Uh, in Athens that some people believed ended up being an important thing and the ones that said we'll hear you later we're not mocking him and also I believe he preached Christ in the resurrection I wish I had a better way to pull the Bible up instantaneously here on my computer Here's verse, Did you find uh, it? Go ahead and just read the incident, if you can. Toward the end of the speech, uh, doesn't he say he doesn't, that God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's what we're here for. We want to learn. What was it, 18?
2: 1818? Or 1718? 17, 17, Mars Hill, oh, Athens... Yeah. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he he seemed to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Right. So that's why I would disagree with that interpretation, even
0: though I've heard it many times in the past, He was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. Every single message recorded by Luke in Acts mentions the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection, and that's not what they wanted to hear. So the the definitive proof of the gospel in objective history was the resurrection of Jesus. So that was preached. Go ahead and give the reference. If I stop this PowerPoint, I might be able to go find that one.
2: But later, Paul also says, addressing their. uh, Keep on to my. Addressing their unknown God. He says, therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. And then he goes on to proclaim. I'll tell you what I'll do. If I got it on here, I'll pull it up.
0: I see some people really know how to throw the Bible up there real quickly on their computers.
2: Yeah. yeah That's yeah. somebody besides uh, me. Uh, uh, I'm going to go back to where I was. Yeah, and then Mike is right. When you keep going to verse 31. He has a fixed day in which he will judge the world in righteousness, yeah. having, f- uh, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So. Yeah, so he mentioned the resurrection twice. So it
0: may seem different, but given the audience... He made a profound statement, okay? And one was Christ in the resurrection, even though they're philosophers. The resurrection, he was raised from the dead. And there was a mocking, well, by some people, but the people who deferred to later weren't necessarily negative. We'll hear you later, didn't mean they had given up on the message, which is how I used to hear it, but I don't think that's a good reading. But I don't. I think we just present the same thing. Now, the reason I think it's important was when years ago there were different. Uh, both the seeker movement and the signs and wonder movement would point to that as Paul changing what he did. But I don't believe he did. He always went to Jews and Greeks and always preached the same thing. In my opinion, go ahead.
2: And just to finalize this, at the end, it says, uh, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, We, we shall hear you again concerning this, pawing out ahead of the midst, of their midst. But some men joined him and believed. Right, and I can read on. Read on. And tells who? People that were. Uh, sorry among, can... whom, um, among whom also were uh, Dionysius and uh, Ariel whatever it is, Pagai, and a woman named uh, uh, Damaris De- and De- others B- with them.
0: Yeah, and so the, the, what happens in Luke-Acts, okay, is most people are going to reject whether they're Jew, Gentile, or whoever they are, but God uses key people, whether they're poor or rich or whoever they are, to gather Lydia in Philippi, the um, Dionysius, Demiras; These are people that are, they're not going to lose their faith. And so if God saves a few key people, uh, what does it say in Timothy? Tell others that they may teach. You taught through that? The faith that you've heard? It's not the, the number. It's the fact that God is going to use people, whoever they may be. And you don't have to please them. One of the ones, now this is, let me go outside of Luke X. One of the ones that really blows me away is in John. There, the, remember the woman at the well? He, he said, Well, go, he, she'd had five husbands, was that it? And the one you're living with now is not your husband? She got all excited and told everybody, Come and hear this guy. If you you know who you're talking to, I'd give you living water. Most people would be offended if you said something like that. She wanted them to come and hear him. So when when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we don't have to hear a pleasant message. We just need to know the truth. Go ahead, Laverne.
3: Well, this is why I just wanted to uh, point out why I said that. Paul's speech at the Eregopolis in Acts 17 is bad news. It doesn't talk about God's love or grace. It talks about judgment. Then, when he does talk about the resurrection, it's to the point um, to point out coming judgment. It doesn't mention the cross, and that, I guess that's how I should have stated it. It doesn't mention the cross, and neither does it mention the name Jesus, and um, only at the very end. And that's what you read.
0: I've, I've heard that, but it doesn't imply a different message. Who is that? Go ahead. Um, Laverne, one, one issue that
4: we see in the scriptures is often the resurrection is seen as a synecdoche, uh, which is kind of the gathering of all of what Christ does. You see that, for example, in 1 Peter 3.18, where we're saved by his resurrection. And the question we should ask is, well, why not mention the atonement or his perfect life or, it's, you know, etc. But the issue is the resurrection is the capstone. So it is a summary of all that Christ has done. And that is summarized even in that verse 18 of uh, Acts 17 where he says he preached Jesus. And preaching Jesus would imply who he is, what he's done. And so we're given us in summary form that the preaching of Christ was accomplished. The resurrection, so in other words, not all of what Paul preached is being delineated by Luke, who's inspired by the spirit to write uh, the, the summary. And so the resurrection, though, is always the capstone of Christ, implying all the other things that he has done. Does that make sense? There's another point
0: that I've been going back and forth. I've been going through Luke, Acts, Luke, Acts, to try to get the themes because it starts in Luke. In Acts, what Luke does is there's a few places where there's a really long message. Where? For example pentecost peter has a long message how about acts 13 there we have a long message that has all kinds of details one of my professors at seminary pointed out that the length of luke and the length of acts are about the same as far as the the greek manuscripts it was about all they could fit on one big long Scroll. scroll and so Everything can't be said. So if Luke is telling us in Acts 13, with your real long message, what was taught? Now, different details may be mentioned, but it doesn't imply a different message. And in that world, as ideas were brought from one place to another, they knew what the Christians were teaching. But if there was an empty tomb and a resurrection and it was Jesus, let me talk about that in in just another uh, sense. Some people who become baptized later are attacked by Jesus only people who say, were you named, were you baptized in the name of Jesus? And they say, well, they said, no, I baptized you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit the Trinitarian formula. Well, I've been in the ministry since the 70s, and there were people that thought, no, look at Acts. Every time it's... And I'm not... Maybe none of you have heard this, but I have. Always the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. But what's the authorial intent? If you look in Acts, the Trinity is there. The deity of Christ, the Father sent the Son the Holy Spirit, the, the trinity is throughout. So if you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or if, you're ba- if they baptize the name of Jesus, the trinity is implied because they knew that to be true. But because, I'll just tell a personal story, that became so troublesome. Finally, when I, some of you here, I, I may have baptized years ago, by the authority of Jesus name I baptize you into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, why go through all that? So that the Church of God people won't come by later, say you were only baptized in the name of Jesus, or if you're baptized in the Trinity formula, you're damned, you have to come to our church and be rebaptized in the name of Jesus only. So you had to cover all the bases. Now what Eric said is how you solve that—the synodoky or the metonymy—the implication of the name of Jesus—that is still the doctrine of the Trinity. So you're not missing out. But I don't—I just want people to know that you didn't—if uh, you were baptized with a Trinitarian formula, you're saved. If you're baptized in the name of Jesus and you believe the Trinity, you're still saved. Go ahead
2: wouldn't it kind of be the same as we say go out and preach the gospel Well, the gospel would include the uh... virgin birth the uh... uh, Mm -hmm. works of christ and the uh... death on the cross the resurrection seated at the right hand of god so if somebody says preach the gospel it would include all of those things so you would just assume that if somebody says they're out preaching the gospel, that that is what's being presented. Yeah, so
0: I would just, in in our world now where all these ideas are floating everywhere, we tend to want to cover all the bases in every presentation. It doesn't always happen. So I like to talk about Christ's preexistence as God and with God, and Eric does that. Why? Because otherwise, Jesus was just a mere man who the spirit became the Christ when the spirit descended on him. Some people say that. We like to mention the person and work of Christ as far as the promised one, virgin born, sinless life, shed blood, resurrection, ascension into heaven, session at the right hand of God. Psalm 110, verse 1. This, be bodily, ascend to heaven, he'll bodily return. Now, why go through all of that? You could shorten it, which Luke does because you can't, But it doesn't mean these other things aren't also implied does that make sense so now I don't want to make too big a deal of it but the reason it's important was that uh, the signs and wonders people like John Wimber came along and said Paul failed at Athens so then he started doing signs and wonders but implied in that is not what Luke's trying to tell us let me go forward and show you another example of authorial intent okay he go, he goes on let's go forward strengthening disciples Apollos there he is right there see Apollos now uh, let's do a little preview Acts 18 24 25 I may get to this today now a Jew named Apollos an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. See that? This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit. The word fervent is kind of cool. He was boiling. <laughs> Every once in a while, a preacher boils. He was fervent in spirit. He was speaking. Now, look at the red here. He was speaking and... Teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. Now, I make a statement here. Luke portrays Apollos favorably. What would make it favorable? How do we know? Teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. That meant he knew who he was, what he did. But he was, there was a misunderstanding about the work of the Spirit, I believe. We'll get to that later. So, in that regard, authorial intent is an amazing thing. Once you see it, it always gets better. We're here to learn from each other. So, if I don't mean to, I'm not picking on you, Laverne. We're we're all learning together. Do you do you want to discuss that some more? Yes, please do.
3: I think I get it now, and and I just want to clarify yes the actual speech, which begins in verse twenty two of chapter seventeen, does not mention the name Jesus, however, the verse that he quoted from is up here in verse uh, seventeen or nineteen or whatever it yeah. was, so all what I really needed to to clarify was that the actual speech that was given at Mars Hill did not mention Jesus. But obviously, during the time that he was there, he did preach Jesus Christ. So they
0: already knew that's who he was talking
3: about. Yeah, but the actual speech for someone who walked up and had never heard it, you know, maybe, and and that's all. That's that's the point I was trying to make. Thank you
0: for bringing that up. What's important, then, is authorial intent. Um... Brian, do you want to... Let me announce the homework so we can all participate. That's assuming we want to keep going through this and not have me preach the second part of the prodigal. We showed a video. Maybe we'll figure out another way to do that. Here's the homework. It, 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 this may be too much, but it's all of Luke Acts. You don't have to read it all one day. But here, here's the homework. Why does Joel 2.28 come up early in Acts? This is that which was prophesied. Remember that came, came up uh, when we talked about that? Your sons and daughters prophesy. And is it the young man with the visions and the old man with the dreams? See, Luke wrote Luke Acts, two-volume work. Luke is one of the most brilliant writers in the ancient world and one of the most accurate historians. The prejudice against Christian scholarship tends to make us think uh, Luke is wrong unless somebody else said the same thing. But Luke is right again and again and again. But he also has a message. It's a brilliant gospel, brilliant acts. Why mention some of the things happened early? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, what happens early in Luke? Did any one who would be considered a daughter prophesy? Well, uh, Brian got a preview because I asked him to go look at this. What? happened? What Anna? Anna, Anna, Mary. Anna, Mary, then the old man, Zacharias. I'm giving you a clue, I'm giving it all away before we even do it. Okay? But see, if you can appreciate the brilliance of the Greek and Luke, this just blows me away. In fact, if you want evidence for the inspiration of Scripture, read Luke, Acts, and uh, I can now just pull up every time a Greek word is used and what context, reasoned, I've got all of that, prophesied so what happens in acts 2 joel 2 28 is cited by peter now in luke acts let me give you a hint if the holy spirit comes upon someone and they speak that would be somebody you should listen to in other words those who speak speak about Christ either fulfillment of scripture the coming of Christ God did wonderful things and so with that in mind as we go forward Luke tells us who is the authoritative spokesperson whoever they may be who do we have in Luke X? women, old men young men (laughs) and then all flesh who was there at pentecost i was so misled when i was a young christian because the group i was with wanted to say there's two types of christians the ordinary ones and the spirit-filled christians and the spirit-filled christians are the ones who spoke in tongues and so then i okay let's see went through this and this and this but that's no, that's not the point. That's reading in. That's like the Church of God say the one version of Church of God says if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus only, you're damned. Someone who came to the Lord through our my the critical issues got sucked into one of those things, and you can't dissuade them anymore. Well, here the name of Jesus, name. Of, but that's not the point. The point is. Joel 2.28 is being fulfilled. Would anybody think that all of these different people, and they heard, they understood what was said. If we get this right, it'll help easier be easier when we get later in 1 Corinthians. Joel 2.28 is being fulfilled. And the preview is in Luke 1, 2, and 3, with Anna, Zacharias, Remember the guy that couldn't speak? Was that Zacharias? I'll probably get some things wrong. Was that the father of John the Baptist? And finally it was his time, and he was unable to speak. And when he was, what happened? Somebody can look that up. He spoke about Messianic salvation coming on the scene of history. Yes, and it goes on. Now, what about later? Philip had four daughters who were prophetesses, but it didn't actually say that. Their prophesying was as a participle. It's a, a, I think it's deponent. Well, whatever sort of verb it is, you wouldn't know, but unless you studied languages, but it's it's a proving in my um, estimation of reading it that Joel two twenty eight is being fulfilled and God's spirit is coming on unexpected people that we would never listen to, never believe, never think God could use. And he does use them. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon people, they preach about Christ. Now, I wrote an article about this, and people said, Oh, you're putting God in a box. I've, I've been accused of that by charismatics, with all due respect that people have different views. No, the point isn't to say the Holy Spirit can only do this, but He can't do that. God, the Spirit, the Trinity, that's not the point the issue isn't what god can do it's whether we how we know what is really from god when there's false signs and wonders lying spirits false teachers lawless all this stuff's out there claiming to be from god how do we know what's from god not what god can or cannot do we know god cannot lie but how do we know it's from the spirit they preach Christ so in the years past when interacting with charismatic pastors I'd say preach Christ you say well people spoke in tongues that must have been from the Spirit maybe maybe not but what about the doctrine of Christ who is Christ literally I asked a prophet who is Christ and he got mad and yelled at me and told, accused me of crucifying him. It wouldn't answer the question. What do you learn? Wrong answer. <clears> the <throat> buzzer goes off. Beep. Nope. You're not from God. Be ready to give a reason for the hope. So, if you can just sort of maybe use a concordance, look at maybe just look up every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned or the Spirit of God coming upon somebody. What happens? Let's see if that follows. Too. Yeah, the visitation. By the way, what happens when God visits? Does anybody remember that one? Judgmentation. Judgmentation. Yeah. What's a visitation of God? And uh, some people are saved and some are judged every time it happens. When God visits... It's good news for some some, and really bad news for others, depending on whether you listen or not. Visitation. That's another word in the Greek that I can look up. So keep thinking about Luke X. So here's what I would say. Look at the long speeches that we know Luke says are right. Peter at Pentecost. Uh, Acts 13 who I think it was Paul Acts 13 and 14 so the long speech tells what's typically taught the shorter one Luke wants us to realize reflects the longer one and sometimes Paul went really long I looked one up the other day and I was looking every time I was in the Greek there was a the time he went so long a, a guy fell asleep and fell off the windowsill or whatever he was that's comforting to every preacher Every once in a while, you look out. (laughs) Well, maybe I'm not boring Paul put somebody to sleep. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: it's just amazing to think of. You've said this before in the past. You said, hey, you want to know what a good church is. You can come into a good church, and it's not some vibe or some feeling or something like that. It's, what is it called, eugelion, the person in the work of Christ. Isn't that the term you guys use? Eugelion? Anyhow. uh, Eugelion, Yeah. Yeah, yeah Second Corinthians some... chapter 4, verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your good slaves for Jesus' sake. I think it's amazing to consider that the person, the work of Christ, is so passe in the modern evangelical yeah. church, but to those who cling to the doctrines of the gospel. And that's why love... Wow. Bob and Eric, because you guys preach Christ Jesus. You preach absolutely the gospel. And that's what we need in this day and age.
0: Let me say something about Apollos in that regard. I have to bring some pictures. When when I was part of a group that met on Twenty Fourth of Nicola, and some of you maybe uh Norman Cladoris, you were there then. And it was we had these outreaches. That we did on the front steps, and I found the old pictures of those. And people were coming and coming. You you put food out in eat Street, and they come from everywhere. (laughs) Even Brian came, (laughs) food. (laughs) And um, there was a couple that we worked with. They were very evangelistic, and I they didn't they had a little different terminology. And I wanted to just get together, come and meet with me. And they came in, and I said, we need to preach Christ when we do these outreaches. And well, so they, they got out a piece of paper. And I said, here's what people need to know. Who Jesus is, virgin birth, sinless life, pre-existed. He's not just a religious guy like everybody else. Who he is, what he did, death, burial, resurrection, blood atonement, why we need him. We're lost sinners without him. And what he expects of us repent and believe the gospel they were writing it down because they wanted to, to do they wanted to preach and they've been taught well just ask people to raise their hand or whatever I'm not saying people have never been saved who heard an inadequate gospel presentation but they couldn't wait to hear it God bless them now others are saying no if you don't do signs and wonders as if, if we could produce them at will, then they're not signs and wonders, they're natural acts. They didn't want to hear. So, Apollos is portrayed as somebody who is favorable and because he wanted to learn. If there was anything deficient, right here, Luke is telling us that Apollos is somebody God's going to use. Why? Eloquent. Mighty in scripture, eloquent doesn't mean it make it right. He was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. And when there was more to learn, good. And Apollos has spoken of favorably. That's how you know. Now there were others that you have a mixed bag, because they didn't want to learn. So I don't assume that people that don't have a robust doctor uh, or doctor of Christ in their preaching don't want to learn it because that, that couple did so God bless them yes amen you know Bob, I
4: was going to just mention at the end of Acts 18 here verse 25 he says being acquainted only with the baptism of John right. that really accounts for why being baptized in the name of Jesus was an issue in the book of Acts so it's not Jesus versus the Trinity Good it was reading. the baptism of John versus the baptism of Christ that's the and, and issue.
0: John why why Christ? because John was saying you should listen to the one that would come after him
4: Amen exactly right. he was pointing to Christ he was pointing so, to yeah. Christ,
0: so good okay, if you ever start drinking coffee that 's an astute reading so right, but he was pointing to Christ, and so it doesn 't mean repentance is not proclaimed in acts, but repentance meant. Well, for one thing, John was one of the Elijah characters from Malachi, okay, pointing to Christ. And the thing that was different about the intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew, in the Maccabean writings, some of the intertestamental writings, there's an incident when something they were trying to uh, decide what to do and they were going to wait until God would raise up a prophet so they would know what to do. The difference is nowadays people don't wait. They just create their own prophets. And so it's, it's really sad. We have to give a fuller doctrine of Christ because we can't assume that even Christians know it. So we covered a whole story again and again. This morning, turned on the TV, flipped onto some channel. It was too early for the news. And who's on there? somebody said well if you don't want bad things to happen you have to plead the blood of jesus over things plead the blood of jesus over your house plead the blood of jesus over your children plead the blood and i'm okay that inspires me to get this out here what does it mean to plead the blood no the bible doesn't tell us to say in utterance blood to scare away the bad stuff. It tells us about the actual blood atonement that was done once for all. Is there a difference between pleading the blood over your finances versus preaching the shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins? Well, that's what I heard this morning so it inspired me even more to come and preach Christ. Now, back to where we were. We got a few minutes here. So he reasoned. So is reason a good thing? Well, Luke tells us it is. Um, Acts 19.8. Let's turn. If you have your Bibles, I don't have a slide for this, but I'll read it here. Acts 19.8 and
5: 9. Could I interrupt for just one second here?
0: Oh, yeah. We're here for a discussion. Yes. Paul.
5: Yeah, I believe in the first chapter of Romans, it says it's not by the will of man that you're going to come to salvation. I believe that's a paraphrase roughly, but I think you know what I'm talking about, um, so, uh, back in Acts uh, 8 4, it says he was reasoning, or dia legami, uh, in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade the Jews. The active thing is trying to persuade. It was obviously not by the will of man that he was trying to persuade, he was trying to persuade them that that which they were relying upon was leading them to dust to nothingness. He was breaking down what they were believing in. I do think, and that goes uh, also, I think, to the uh, in, in, in Mars Hill as well. He was bringing them to judgment. He was bringing them, no matter what you're trusting in now, is going to basically not get you anywhere.
0: Yeah. The Stoics and Epicureans were both wrong. And somebody uh, had did some apologetics pointing out that the Stoics and the Epicureans are like a lot of the philosophies out there today, either the mystics and the people who are kind of rationalists. Now, I'll go ahead and read Acts 19, 8 and 9, a little preview. And when he entered his synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God, Acts nineteen eight. 8. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way, which meant by the then Christians, before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples' reasoning day, daily in the school of Tyrannus. Does anybody want to give the context of that? I believe he's at that point. Where was Paul in Acts 19? Was he in Ephesus? Ephesus. Now, What is Luke telling us? He's the inspired author. This was a good thing. It's good to use reason, and it's good to be bold about the gospel. And the whole fallen world is arrayed against Christ and the gospel. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The only way out it's not pleading the blood over things. It's, it's forgiveness of sins, it's repentance, it's being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the, the kingdom of his beloved son. Now notice here Acts 19.8, we'll get to this later, persuading about the kingdom of God. Even then, people will take that and say, well, it's kingdom now, we need to uh, the kingdom is somehow different, but th- but if you have a consistent reading of Acts and even Luke Acts, Jesus is reigning at the right hand of God. What's the most cited Old Testament verse in the New Testament? You got the right answer, <laughs> Psalm 110. Psalm 110. Other things that are cited: Psalm 2 and verse 2. Um, passages from Isaiah Isaiah 61 1 and 2 cited in Luke 4:18 18 in Nazareth but what happened there he didn't do the whole thing the great and terrible day of the Lord was later but what a nice message a homeboy came into Nazareth and he went into the synagogue and he read they loved it no they threw him off they want to throw him off a cliff he got out of there. What about the entry into Jerusalem? Do you believe that Jesus Christ genuinely lamented over Jerusalem? And generally uh, genuinely grieved over the hardness? How often uh, I would have gathered you, but you would not have it? These things have been hidden from your eyes. And so all of this is for us to learn and to rejoice in the mighty deeds of God. It's just sad when, uh, like the person I was hoping would really understand the gospel that had contacted us through critical issues and uh, got trying to help her, and then the Church of God convinced her that everybody not baptized in the name of Jesus only is damned to going to hell. They're out there now, even the way I mentioned they were the way even that now has become a cult, if I'm right, the way international. Anything you've ever heard can be twisted around and turned into something it's not. So we got to know this. Um, Well, here's the one, the comfort for every boring preacher ever. Acts 20, verse seven. And uh, Paul's long lecture where young men fell asleep, I'm just quoting my notes, and fell down. Now, this diolagomai, which I have here also uh, is used there. Here it is. Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, that's diolagomai, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Verse 9, And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep, as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But then God healed him and raised him. <laughs> well, it's amazing isn't it doesn't mean we should have boring speeches or go too long but the, the point is he was reasoning he was giving the fact one time I was preaching on a passage when I was a preacher on 24th of Nicolet and someone brought a grandson who was probably 18, 19 and I decided to shout because there's a verse that says "Awake, sleeper and the kid was sitting there a weak sleeper and he goes, oh. He thought maybe I was pointing at it and I was just preaching there quoting a verse and he looked around and realized it wasn't him and he went, oh. <laughs> at least he didn't fall off a window so um, the more we search the scripture I don't know anything more exciting than what the bible actually says when we understand the author's meaning and i counted uh, the greatest privilege that anyone could have to be able to have a chance to gather with people look at these things evidence for the truth of the gospel proclaimed to jews and gentiles was that good yes yes and then that is reasoning reason will always be a good thing for the gospel not bad the truth is more powerful than just stories. I know people like stories. That's what the the power of story, isn't that emergent? People don't believe in logic anymore. Well, so what do you believe in? Blind faith? We use it anyhow, because that's how God presents the truth. And let's do a little bit of geography here. I'm going to just, rather than have Christy tried to print things that I get out of logos. This would be, I left my pointer down there on the table. This map shows Sincrea, Ephesus, Caesarea, and Antioch. Now, these are key places. Let me read the caption I have here from the map. This map shows Paul's return on his second missionary journey, departing from Sinc- on his way to Ephesus. This map was created by so-and-so. And so so this is what happened. Real places, no Book of Mormon, no planet with, what was the name of the planet of the Mormons? Moab or something? No whole book of geography that exists nowhere. Real places, real things that happened. This is about Acts 18, 19, out of verse 20. And when they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent, but taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. So there we are. Caesarea, Antioch, Ephesus these are key places now something that helped me greatly was thinking about paul's journey in the bible when it talks about going to jerusalem you go up to jerusalem in luke you have luke 951 all the way he's going up to jerusalem reverse parallel structure paul is intending to go up to jerusalem ultimately and it's echoing what had already happened where Jerusalem rejects all the prophets that are sent to her. That's in Luke. I believe that Paul's journey to Jerusalem was necessary, even though Agabus predicted correctly what would happen if he went there. Remember, he took his garment and tied it around him. This will happen. They were pleading with Paul, don't go, don't go. He said, why are you weeping and breaking my heart. I'm determined to go. And someone asked me about that in an email. I said, I believe he wasn't disobeying God. He was intended to go just like Jesus was intended to go. Not in the same way. Paul can't die for anybody's sins. But it's proving the thesis that Jerusalem rejects the prophets that are sent to her. That's how I see it. And um, That's what will happen. Paul's statement, if, again, if if God wills, that's not, that's showing humility, dependence, and it's honoring God. There's a lot, I don't know what's going to happen in a lot of things. And God will use us if we humbly depend on him and are committed to Christ now some people in Acts ended up being apostated they left now here is Caesarea there's no mythology real places that Luke mentioned here again Caesarea outer harbor isn't it amazing what they could do in the ancient world with no backhoes I could have had a lot of money had I invested in uh, those orange cones about 30 years ago. (laughs) We were driving somewhere. (laughs) I, I mentioned to Diane back then. There's orange cones everywhere. If they're publicly traded, we should buy some stock. Never did. Little did I know, they just were getting started. Well, they be, they did a lot back then. They didn't even have orange cones and backhoes. <clears throat> Here, up to Jerusalem, look at this. Um, this is about 1822. After passing Antipatris, Paul would have likely followed the Beth-Haron Ridge route from the lowlands into the Judean country. This route along... Beth Harone Ridge provide the easiest and most gradual ascent from the coastal plain to the hill country. This helps illustrate the concept of going up to Jerusalem. Now, why was Jesus going up to Jerusalem in Luke to be rejected? Why ultimately did Paul, what happened to Paul when he did go up to Jerusalem? he was rejected I think that's the intent of the author do I have any more of these Oh, okay that's verse 22 I have lots of these there's like 180 of them per chapter of Acts so dear ones our faith is grounded in objective truth cold sober history and believing the promises of God will never leave you disappointed because God cannot lie. And so let's close with prayer as we prepare to go up and hear the gospel and the sermon. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness and kindness and your mercy. Thank you that you allowed yourself, your son Jesus Christ, to be hated and scorned and ridiculed in order that we might be brought into your family. Pray for Eric as he will preach to us this morning that he proclaim the word of God to us clearly and we may listen and hear and understand. And thank you, Lord, for the fellowship of the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.